Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 95 of the No Normal Show for Thursday, March 5th, 2021, brought to you by Revive Health. This is our weekly deep dive into how hospital and health system marketers can navigate what we call the No Normal. I'm Chris Bevelo, health systems practice lead at Revive Health and your host for the show. Joined, as always, by Chase Kleckner, who is Senior Marketing Manager at Revive Health and our show's producer. Hello, Chase. Hey, Chris. Good to see you, as always. You as well. We are super excited to be joined also today by Kevin Mabert. Kevin is the Chief Consumer Officer of Intermountain Healthcare. He began serving in the role in 2017 and brings over 25 years of consumer-focused experience through the role, he is responsible for bringing consumers, which includes patients, members, caregivers, and the community, uh, perspectives to the forefront of healthcare design and delivery. He leads Intermountain's efforts to identify what consumers need and expect from healthcare and to evolve the organization's capability to create and deliver consistent, consumer-centric, digitally-enabled experiences. Before Intermountain, Kevin was previously at the Walt Disney Company, where he served as Global Head of Consumer Insight. He led consumer experience development and transformation for Disney's theme park, cruise line, resort, retail, and digital businesses in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. He was instrumental in defining the guest experience at Disney's first theme park in mainland China, Shanghai Disney Resort, and driving the digital transformation of Walt Disney World in Florida, which included My Disney Experience Portal and Magic Bands. Ooh, I remember Magic Bands. I had one of those. He had helped expand the Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars brands globally. Kevin, holy cow, thank you so much for joining us. Chris, thank you. Great to see you and uh, great to be talking today. And hi, Chase, as well. Yeah, I cannot wait to dive into to everything consumerism with you. We've got a couple of housekeeping notes to knock out, and then we can dive in. So uh, if you're new to the show on this podcast, we share industry trends, research, Stories from those from both with inside and outside of healthcare, which Kevin, you meet both of those criteria. Um, anything we can bring forward to help health system marketers and communicators navigate the no normal successfully. If you want to know more about what we mean by the no normal, uh, if you want to know key principles that we have to help you navigate the no normal, check out a blog post we wrote last year that gives you all of that background. Chase will post that in the chat function of Zoom. So. With all of that, let us dive in. We want to talk about consumerism. Uh, I mentioned this is, or I don't know if I mentioned live, but I'm going to say it now. This is one of my favorite topics. And I have been talking about speaking on, studying, um, ranting about consumerism for a long time. So long, in fact, and I shared this with Kevin and Chase earlier, um, that this is a picture that I used when I first started talking about Consumerism. You guys seen the right picture? That's my daughter, Callie. Uh, that is her as a toddler. She was born in 2002. So back in the mid 2000s, so 2004, 2005, I would use this picture to kind of illustrate what I thought the healthcare consumer felt like as he or she was going through our system. Uh, for those of you that aren't on live and can't see this, you see a toddler in a high chair with chocolate cake spread all over her face. And clearly she is out of chocolate cake. And that is the expression on her face. She's not too thrilled about it. Um, I bring it up also because that, that girl right there is now a senior in high school. So that just kind of shows you how long we've been talking about this um, back then. And I think today it's still appropriate. I used to refer to consumerism 
uh, as as is like a hurricane out in the Gulf of Mexico. And it was just forming. Maybe it was a tropical storm back then, to be honest. Uh, and people would talk about it like the storm is coming. Uh, but we didn't know how big it was going to get. Category one, category five. We didn't know if it was going to, you know, hit the mainland, if it was going to go back out to sea. We really it could have gone anywhere. Uh, and I would say over that time, we're talking almost two decades, consumerism has maybe, you know, caused some minor flooding. Uh, it's, you know, some rainstorms here and there. Hasn't really hit the industry, at least in my perspective, uh, as the hurricane that it could have. But I think the winds are whipping up. Uh, we actually just released a report in, in November about how COVID itself has accelerated a lot of the aspects of consumerism um, that have been moving kind of gradually and, and forcing us as hospitals and health systems to maybe deal with consumerism at a level that we've always wondered about and worried about, but now it's here. And so that's why it's so great to have Kevin with us because here's somebody who has this tremendous background um, in consumer experience. I mean, it doesn't get any better than Disney and now is, is in our world trying to, to move this forward as well. So that's why I'm so excited that you're here. I want to start, Kevin, with just some semantics. Um, one of the things that we pointed out in a book we released in 2018 was the, the growth of consumerism and a shift even in titles from what was almost ubiquitously the, the top title in hospital and health systems in terms of marketing communications was the chief marketing officer. And we'd seen a few chief consumer officers come online and we thought, you know what, we're gonna see more of those. We haven't seen as many as we'd like, uh, but they, they continue to grow. Uh, talk to us, just start by, by, by talking to us about what you think that title means in terms of the difference between perspectives of a chief consumer officer, maybe and a chief marketing officer, and in any other way that you think it's important to define consumerism. We'll just, we'll start there. Yeah, Chris, <clears throat> that's a great place to start. And um, I'm sure we'll get back to your tropical storm analogy. I think it's a powerful one and it actually explains a lot. You know, I've been in healthcare for three years now, um, having left Disney and uh, I have both titles. In fact, the chief consumer and the chief marketing officer. So I, I, I see that duality and I don't, I don't, you know, other than the obvious functional, you know, kind of role of a marketing and communications lead, um, don't pull them apart as much as possible. Part of how I think about all of this is through the lens of the consumer, and they most often don't think about a an ad campaign or a website or a digital health portal as representing an organization. They're just touch points, and, and we need to sort of blend away some of that organizational and even kind of that nomenclature in, in really framing and engaging and designing experience marketing, you want it, whatever you will call it, around them, and it should feel more, more, more seamless. So the idea, so, you know, that something would come from the marketing team versus would come from the consumer experience team makes no sense to a consumer in my mind. And so we have to be very mindful of that and what it implies internally, but be super mindful about what it should not imply or, um, you know, make in terms of differences externally. Um, so, so that's an initial thought on that. You know, the word consumer, having come from Disney and other places, it's a word I've lived and celebrated and worked with throughout my working life. You know, Disney's a very consumer-centric, consumer-forward, marketing-driven organization, almost the antithesis of healthcare. So there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of dissonance for me coming into healthcare, but just the word, you know, talking about definitions, um, 
consumer and consumerism has caused some really interesting negative reactions when I've talked about it from people who say, well, I don't care about consumers. I care about people to, oh, you know, consumerism takes me to consumption, TB, tuberculosis. It's the old name for that. Or it's, um, mm. it's all about environmental um, irresponsibility or it's just cold corporate and commercial and it doesn't apply. So that's been a lot of the reaction. And, you know, I fundamentally um, want to talk about people, um, but I think there are some really important aspects to the consumer word and what that implies and how that actually changes the, the conversation, changes the relationship that we should pay attention to. Yeah, I think that's great. One of the things that we talked about um, when we first chatted for the show was um, a perspective you had that that we look at the idea of consumers too narrowly in this space. Yeah, and I think that's definitely been my experience, Chris. You know, we we put many labels on people, right? We'll we'll talk about patients, of course, and there's something very precious about the idea of a patient. And um, but if you really pull back, a patient that word has to do with the relationship, and and in fact, the hurt somebody's feeling, the relationship they have with a provider of some kind. So. Is that the most personalized way of expressing humanity? I'm not sure it always is, any more so than consumer. You know, um, patient will often talk about the, the kind of oncology patient or, or whatever, so that will be used with a condition. So I'm not here to argue against the word patient. I'm just saying that, you know, we apply many labels. At Intermountain, we call our employees caregivers. Um, caregivers are consumers too, because to me, the word consume it's not about choice, which I've heard a lot. You know, uh, it doesn't apply because, you know what, you don't get to choose to come into hospital. You don't get to choose to be sick. So because you don't get that choice, it's more like, I've had this said, going to court or prison. Like, you, don't, you can't help it. So why, why even bring this idea into the equation? Consume, as a word, just means use, right? So it's not about choice. Like, your little girl is a consumer. She may not have chosen a particular care setting in her life or a provider. So it's not about her choice. It's about her usage of that service. And so I think people sometimes try to marginalize almost intentionally the word consumer to not apply because I can think about patients and members and, you know, clinicians, then this consumer word is sort of out on the, the periphery and sort of doesn't apply. And therefore we can continue as if that storm was never looming off the Gulf Coast. Yeah. Yeah. So talk, can you talk just a little bit more about how you, in your role, think about the, your, your employees that you called caregivers? Um, and again, I think that's like an example of a different perspective that you're bringing than I've heard from many others, whether it's because you come from Disney, whether it's because you're wearing a consumer hat or however you want to put it. Um, you know, of course, of course, employees are important. And of course, our staff is important. Um, but thinking them differently is kind of a new concept. So go a little deeper yeah. there. Yeah. So maybe let's just start briefly with what I think about as consumerism. You know, if you work for P&G or Unilever or Coca-Cola or, you know, any of those um, CPG companies, you're probably going to think about consumerism as a version of meeting people's needs profitably. And, you know, for me, consumerism is really a little broader. It's about anticipating and meeting people's needs and expectations in a way that also enables you to deliver on your mission and your business objective. So this is not some open-ended kind of, we'll give you what you want type of a deal. 
but but it is about understanding people's needs and and meeting them and now we've always thought about and met clinical needs clearly it almost goes without saying but really consumerism is far more holistic than that so it runs the gamut from your financial needs your rational your irrational needs your emotional needs um your psychological needs and so we have to and i think healthcare is moving this way think much more about the whole person and their needs that, that really transcend the clinical um and and that's what consumerism is and if you think about it like that i don't think it's a million miles from the purpose of medicine from the very beginning you know i, I really don't think it's so far apart i i was with some colleagues we did a session up at cleveland clinic um as as guests um and the topic was when humanism met consumerism as if those two were some sort of like you know characters in a marvel movie that we're, that we're going to fight to the death <laughs> but for me um coming from the world i've come from humanism and consumerism met decades ago and they get along famously like there's not so much distance between them um because consumer consumerism is not that cold corporate thing you know it is fundamentally about it's kind of peopleism and um so let's just talk then quickly about the caregiver since you you are so if a consumer is somebody who um you are there to sort of anticipate and meet needs and it's about using not choosing or um so on and so forth then our caregivers just as our trustees just as our members and patients are all consumers of intermountain uh, because we we serve them or we could serve them in some way shape or form so i think very very broadly actually about the word consumer and so that means we're trying to shape and optimize the trustee experience the caregiver experience as well as the patient and member experience really trying to bring that together and in some cases because as an individual you have all of those labels we have caregivers who serve on boards who maybe a patient certainly probably are a member at a certain point so those labels are just labels you know the person at the heart of all of that is the same person so why would you pass their needs as a caregiver versus their needs as a patient it's really getting back to the person yeah i think that's great and i you mentioned this and i wrote it down because i think it's 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 why this has become a, a trend if you will um why it's something that's evolved over you know at least 20 years and that's the word expectations mm -hmm. and i think that is that is what's changed and it continues to change and that is at the heart of that storm you know, i'd love for you to, to to say yay or nay or react to you know we have talked about the reason expectations are changing over this time period are, are you know, look consumers have access to way more information than they ever did before so if you go yeah. back to the early 2000s, right, when my daughter is two, the internet is still just barely getting its legs under it. Um, then you have social media. Before that, where did you turn to get information on this, right? And as you get more information, your expectations grow about what's possible. You also, over this time, have more choices. And you're using the word choice about, I don't have a choice when I have cancer. But I do have a choice as to whether I get cancer care here or there. Yeah. And as time has grown, you know, we've seen just a, a real broadening beyond the traditional hospital of where you can get a lot of care. And then the final kind of driver um, that I think probably has more to do with changing expectations is money, skin in the game. I mean, back yeah. in the day, I paid $10 
for surgery and everybody paid $10 as deductibles, you know, consumer driven healthcare, which is another ironic use of the term, uh, which means basically you're paying more money out of pocket with high deductibles that has only continued to grow. Most people now deal with, if you, if you have a $500 deductible, you should count yourself lucky. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people it's a thousand, it's 5,000. And boy, if I got $5,000 on the line, look what happens to my expectations for the experience. Um, yes. And so that I think goes to why this is continually something that we're having to, to deal with. Does that line up with your, your sense of it? It does. You know, and I, I think <clears throat> there are more and more ways to your point, Chris, um, that consumers now can, um, can, can kind of have agency. In other words, can, mm -hmm. you know, through peers, through reviews, through just transparency of things like the internet, feel more empowered, more choiceful, more even control potentially. And that's happened in almost every walk of people's lives. You know, to me, healthcare probably alongside education and government are probably three of the main industries left still not having met that storm. But it's, it's, it's come through and it's reshaped every other part of our lives. And why on earth would it be different in healthcare? Because again, it's the same people. And you, when you talk about expectations, you know, we're, we're currently, um, we've launched a, a platform, a consumer platform to help people find, manage and pay for care. And we, we may talk a little more about it, but fundamentally we thought, well, why is finding care, booking online, such a terrible experience when you think about Delta, for example. So, you know, booking a seat with Delta or other comparable airlines is, is a very straightforward thing these days. And so why can't booking in healthcare be an equivalent experience? Payment is about the most dreadful experience in healthcare. You know, it's, it's opaque. You never know kind of when it's going to end or even when it's going to start and what, what the bill is going to entail. And so why, why on earth can't that be as good as Amazon um, as a payment experience? And so we're trying to sort of look outside of healthcare and say, well, what is the best experience relative to part of a journey and how do we build that into our experience? Because that's the thing about expectations. They are not created within this bubble called healthcare because if they were, we, we would always be stuck. They're shaped by people's experiences when they, you know, it's hospitality, it's retail, it's big tech, it's finance. You know, again, we're one of the few that haven't really responded. And I think that's the, the really encouraging thing now is that, we sort of opened the door and it will never shut again. In fact, it will continue to widen. You know, I, I don't know that expectations change so much. I mean, they, how you deliver on them absolutely changes. But if I think about, you know, what we've learned, what people are looking for in healthcare beyond the kind of fundamentals of safe, high quality care with good outcomes, you know, which is sort of a given. <clears throat> and the reason it's a given um, is because people don't always consciously think about that so much when they make the choices you describe. But what does increasingly matter is that we can be personalized, that we're always on, that we simplify, that we create a frictionless experience, we empower you, and that we can be transparent. Um, those things, I think, are quite universal and quite timeless. I know when we, we, we would do you know, ethnography and other work at Disney, the same things would be asked of a Disney experience. And so it is a bit of the more things change, the more they stay the same. <clears throat> Some of these things have just been ever present. We've never really delivered on them. Yeah, it just, I don't know why this popped in my mind, but you talked about always on. It, it still kills me that we have folks yeah, so, opening so. Oops, opening urgent cares and that their hours are like nine to five. And you go, right. yes. what in the world is that? 
Like, I don't know if there's any more opening, but there are certainly some out there with those hours. And it, it's just like one tiny example of how we seem to really struggle. Yes, yes. Because we, again, that's because we, we thought through an operational lens and probably a cost lens uh, rather than a consumer lens. Now, of course, there's practical implications of opening an Instacare 24-7, but um, you know, if you're not doing that, then find other ways to support people 24-7 mm-hmm. through digital or other tools. I mean, that's, that's the piece too, Christy. I think we've got to be really thinking about not just like standing up digital tools, but you know, a place like Disney thinks in every single corner, in every single moment. And how can we really join the physical, the in-person, the digital to feel as good as every other part in the journey? Yeah, talk more about that because I do think especially over the last couple of years, the idea of overhauling, evolving, transforming the consumer experience often goes right to the digital experience. And it's understandable because there's so much work to do there. Um, And it's also an improvement over the traditional patient experience, which often just looked at bedside, you know, pathways once you get in the hospital. So it's an encouraging thing but it's like a pendulum, right? We don't want to go from, we're too far to just thinking about what happens when you're in, a, in an inpatient hospital room to all we're thinking about is digital. So can yeah. you talk a little bit more about how it's important to kind of to think beyond digital? Yeah, and this actually touches back on the topic of titles. So quite often, some of the work I do might be done by a chief digital officer, a, a chief you know, transformation officer, a chief innovation officer even. Um, I often, you know, get called a chief digital officer, although that isn't my title. And I don't actually care about that, but it just, I think, typifies what you're talking about, Chris. Um, so when I came into healthcare, I felt like, well, you know, you could check the box of consumerism by having one, a digital front door, and two, a net promoter score. And then people would be happy that you've done consumerism. There you are. It's all done. Um, yeah. And, you know, at, at Disney, I had a lot to do with what we call my Disney experience, which is this digital ecosystem that started actually by being exciting stuff we could do to transform transform the experience. So we could bring AR and VR and you could immerse yourself in stories at Disney parks in a totally new way. It was super exciting, but it was very technology driven. It wasn't consumer driven. People like to do those things, but they didn't actually want to do them at a Disney theme park. What they wanted to do at Walt Disney World or Disneyland was actually cut through the, the friction and the pain points to get to the core experience that was already there. It just took hours in lines and a lot of transactional um, experience to kind of get to it. And therefore the value equation wasn't always so great. And so it was about how do we enable better, more seamless access to the core experience? And you could liken that to the core clinical experience if you wanted to. And I think therefore the, yeah. the problem to be solved is similar. So part of that was digital. But as an example of why you shouldn't just focus on digital, we, we stood up this, this app, My Health Plus, recently. And, you know, through it, you can, you can now schedule online. You can, through, you know, two-way text-based um, interaction, kind of just have a direct relationship with your provider. And that's all good. But if you now book a clinic visit through the app and then... Did we lose Kevin? He was on such a good point. <laughs> we'll see if he comes back. We're alive, right, Chase? This yeah. is always surreal. I never know if it's know. just being in a bubble or if it's... So yeah, picking up on what he's talking about, um, and I know he'll, he'll know to dial back in. This is just such a... Um, it's such a big topic, Chase, but it is a passion 
for me personally, uh, and not just because I get to show pictures of my daughter. Uh, I do feel like it is the it is the number one hurdle to our typical clients, hospitals and health systems, maximizing what and who they could be and the value they could bring. Uh, and it, and we know, having been in this industry so long, um, just like Kevin said, it, it, so much of what we do is is designed from the the inside out. It, it has been healthcare has been built. Um, for the benefit of us, for the benefit of physicians and the caregivers, and the patients will make do with what we give them. And, you know, for all the reasons we talk about, whether it's new competition coming in um, or whether it's just a rising expectation, this is not going to cut it anymore. Yeah. So I think one, I think one of my favorite points that you make about consumerism and, and health systems is just that health systems have iteratively like slowly gotten better but what what would we do if we had start if we started a health system tomorrow and yeah. we would start that from a digital perspective right like everything would be from that angle and it, it's interesting to to hear someone from the outside of 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 the challenges that they're facing and but also the priorities uh, that they're trying to yeah. bring to the table yeah, we, we work with a lot of um, health systems right now around virtual care, as everybody probably on the show and listening, um, you know, we've all adopted virtual care because of COVID, but also it provides such an opportunity moving forward. And, uh, you know, our philosophy is easy for us to say, right, but we, we try to advocate for, hey, think about this as if you were starting your health system from scratch today. If you were doing that, a virtual encounter would be the first choice. It would be the main choice. The in-person would be the option, would be the secondary choice um, wherever possible. We know in our world, there's a lot of stuff that we, that we do that has to be in person. Surgery has to be in person. Maybe someday surgery won't be. Um, but, but for most of what we do, it can be virtual, right? And so if you were designing a system today, if Kevin was at Disney designing a health system, they would probably start with the wristband. They would probably start with, hey, anything you want from us, it's gonna start with a virtual visit. And then we'll figure out if there's a, a personal one. So Kevin, you're back with us. Yeah, Chris, I clearly had the inevitable internet breakage, so I switched my phone. Hopefully the sound and the vision is fine. I'm gonna stick with this if it is. You're perfect. I don't know if you want to pick up with where you were or we've asked people to, to start lobbing questions in. So. Um, we can shift to that. It's your call. I, I'd like to really quickly address your question, if that's okay, Chris, because I think it was For lost, sure. my answer. So you talked about the importance of the, the digital relative to everything else, and the digital is really um, critical, but if we only focus on digital, we're not addressing the end-to-end -end journey. And, you know, I've learned in previous lives that the digital experience, as you really enhance that, can shine a very harsh light on the non-digital parts of the experience. So, and that transition from digital to in-person has to be as seamless as the digital itself. Otherwise, all you're doing is introducing new pain points and breakages. <laughs> so as an example of that, you know, our digital front door, you can now schedule online in the palm of your hand. You know, many of us do this already, but if you now show up at the clinic, having had that beautifully simple experience online, and then you're running late and we didn't tell you, and then you've got a really frustrating experience, all the more frustrating actually because you've had this elevated prior experience. And similarly, you can now text through the app 
to have the direct relationship with your provider, which was not normally possible before. But if that provider is not in the habit of returning texts, again, you've caused frustration. You sort of almost um, snatched defeat from the, the jaws of victory. So you've got to just, this has to be, um, you know, through journey mapping that I like, something you look, in, you look at every component of the experience, join it up as best you can and make it seamless. Don't just assume, of course, the digital will have that transformative effect. It won't. So back to you, Chris, I, I think you said you had some questions. Well, I'm, I'm going to add to that because I had an experience today that speaks exactly to what you're talking about. And I've and Chase, I've sent you um, a link to include. I, I I don't know if I should be embarrassed about this, but I'm a huge TikTok fan, especially given my, you know, I'm only 35. But my age, um, I get teased a lot. I'm probably the number one TikToker in our agency of 100 people that's full of millennials and Gen Zers. Um, but I'm, I'm having Chase share a link to a TikTok from Key and Peel that captures my experience, my video visit experience with my doctor. And we all know the experience where there's a delay. And we don't know there's a delay, but there's a delay. And so I'm talking, and but then you're talking, and we're talking over each other. And at first, it's like, my doctor's not even listening to me. He's just running right over me. And it took most of the visit to figure out Oh, there's a delay here. Yeah. That's why we're like continually stepping on each other. And then we're trying to like, you know, navigate that delay. And so it, it just shows like, even with the things like that, that we think we have figured out, we're, there's still, there's still so much room to grow. So check yeah. out the TikTok that's in the, that's in the chat. Um, it's hilarious. Everybody's experienced it, but I had it today yeah. with my doctor. But it's a great reminder, Chris, of just however digital you go and it's not, you know, I don't think we should ever aspire to be digital companies to say, but enabled by digital and the humanity, the profound humanity of healthcare, I think still needs to be the prevailing like feeling, the experience. So yes. If we do digital, we want digital to feel human as best we can make it feel like that. Because I think if we lose that part, we've, we've lost a really important connection and differentiator against some of the newcomers to healthcare who don't have that relationship with the, the people they serve. Let me, let me, before we get to, we've got one question. I would encourage people who are with us to, to post questions to Q and A. Um, while you were out, I posited something and I want to put it in front of you to see if, um, if you agree or not. And in one of the things we work with a lot of systems around virtual care strategy, clearly something that we're trying to expand um, as health systems. And one of the things we say is like, look, Try to think about this as tough as it may be, as if you were starting a health system from scratch today. And if you were doing that today, uh, think about how you would try to make the virtual visit the, the default. Because in most cases, it can be the default. It doesn't mean we get away from the humanity we're talking about. Clearly, there are things that have to be in person. But if we were redesigning the system from scratch, we would, we would have every encounter be virtual first because why not? It's easier. Um, and in fact, that might improve the experience, assuming you don't have the, the delay kind of thing I'm talking about or other issues. Um, yeah. But boy, would that be a different way to structure virtual care than making it the option, it the, something that I have to dig to figure out how to do um, or that physicians are kind of like, well, I'll do it if I have to. Make it the front door. And then if you need in person, we'll get to there. So right. I don't know. Well, I'd love your like honest take on that. If you think that that's nuts or 
something that would be at least philosophically aspirational. Yeah, I think it's spot on, Chris, because I think if you were to design, you know, with a blank page healthcare, you would start with the consumer and you'd start also by thinking about what experiences do they get and therefore expect outside of healthcare. And it, and you'd also think about affordability, you'd think about convenience, you'd think about a whole lot of things that we now try to sort of retrofit to some extent, right. but that's not the same thing. So yeah, I mean, clearly, and this has big implications as marketers from a brand and a marketing perspective, you know, I, I guess, you know, traditionally, we thought of hospitals as that kind of gateway, that that front door, that representation of the brand, or clinics, um, and, and, and certainly physicians, and, and, and so on. But we, we kind of almost like have fitted these other things in, but they don't have the same status. If we were to rethink that, we would start with digital, we would start with virtual, we'd start with those kind of things that you experience elsewhere. And then the escalation, the, the, the exception would be the hospital, the ER, um, rather than thinking those are the entry and the representation of the, of the brand and the experience. You know? So yeah, I think you're spot on. All right, cool. So we do have a question. Um, somebody has asked, and also I see in the chat that our TikTok link is broken. The, it, the link in there, Chase, looks like way longer than the one I sent you. So, yeah. all right. Look, tech, our own technology problems. I have them right here. Um, so question for you, Kevin, where have you seen the greatest impact in your time at Intermountain um, on the experience? What would you, what would you hold up as your, your best success so far? Well, I mean, I think tangibly my health plus is, is, is sort of one of those, those things because it's, it's taken some of the pain points head on. You know, it's really hard to, especially as a sort of first timer, you know, get access to the right care. Through, so through online symptom checking to not just the most um, effective, but also most affordable care sitting is so important. So rather than rushing to the ER, can we get you to an instigate or preferably can we treat you or at least um, guide you further online through a video visit or a, a health, you know, a chat bot. Um, and so I think that's made things a lot more uh, convenient, affordable and empowering. And then navigating healthcare, it's as if we have traditionally given you a laminated health plan card and said, good luck. And now, we're trying to help you navigate beyond that first, um, first interaction all the way through um, follow-ups, labs, meds, everything, you know, and then paying for care like we talked about. So I think while it's only been live for the last sort of eight months or so, it, it's, it shows a lot of promise to address some of those pain points. You've got to start with the pain points. Beyond that, I think um, we, we've done some work in, in a very different sphere, which is more with, with sort of frontline caregivers who I think certainly here had, I think we'd made the mistake over the years of designing some of what that experience looked like, patient to nurse, patient to provide it around things like um, post-visit survey questions. So it kind of became a bit tasky and a bit robotic in some cases. And so, and it wasn't satisfying to either the patient or the, the clinician. So again, not to keep going back to Disney, but one of the things I think Disney does quite well is to, is to empower its frontline cast members to understand either in the moment or more broadly what matters to people and to deliver that experience. So there are kind of guardrails, if you will, and principles, but mostly it's about people's EQ 
and service mindset to do the right thing for that guest. And so we're trying to instill more of that at Intermountain. So it kind of loosens things up. It's more authentic. It's more meeting people where they are. And it's not about if I do this, we'll get a good Prescani score. It, you right. know, that will follow probably if we do the right thing. So that's, I guess, at the other end of the spectrum from digital is really trying to find ways to, it's not even transform, it's just to take it back to basics, the, the, the human interaction. Now, let me ask you, I don't know if this is a personal question or not, um, but you, you kind of qualified something you said there by saying, I hate to go, I don't mean to keep going back to Disney. Um, I mean, from my standpoint, having people come in from a company like Disney or Delta or wherever, where there are amazing experiences is exactly what we need in healthcare. But Kevin, how much do you have to deal with? This ain't Disney. <laughs> You're not Disney anymore. So stop talking about, yeah. you have to combat that still after whatever, three or four years there. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot. And, it, and I'm fine with that, you know, cause it, at face value, it's kind of weird to come from Disney into healthcare and what on earth would it have to do with healthcare? But of course it has a lot to do with it because it's about people. And, you know, when you work at Disney, you realize, especially for things like the parks, they're really high ticket. I mean, they are expensive things to do and there's a lot of fear and trepidation and complexity. And so from a, from a people point of view, from a consumer point of view, Oddly enough, a lot of what you address and need to understand is not so far apart from healthcare. One excuse I've heard so often, and I do call it an excuse, not a, not a justification, is complexity. Like we don't, we can't do consumerism because healthcare is just far too complex, like as if it's more complex. But you know, my experience there is that Disney, Amazon, all of these folks have pretty complex business models. They just don't make kind of the complexity the consumer's problem. They figure it out. Mm -hmm. and, and so... That's that. So, yeah, and I've had many, many people say, you've got to read If, if Disney Ran My Hospital, the, the book. And I have read it. And, you know, I think, honestly, still, after a few years in, I'd be far more scared if a hospital ran Disney. I really would. So, so I think there's still a lot to learn, um, even though it is from a place like Disney, but not just Disney, you know, more or less any industry does this stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just am also conscious to, you know, not to sound kind of preachy. And, and so that's probably part of my sensitivity there. Because, you know, I know it, it's not literally applicable, but much of it is very closely applicable. Again, for the very simple fact that they're the same people with the same emotions. And um, even in some cases, some of the same fears. So it's kind of, it's a very parallel experience for me. Yeah, it, it, it also, Chase, see if you can find this before this shows up. There's a video, it's probably five or 10 years old. And it's, it said, I think it's titled something like, if healthcare, if, if the airlines were run like healthcare. And I yeah. think, you know, you spoke about Delta. Um, I'm from Minneapolis where Northwest Airlines was based before it merged with Delta. And Northwest Airlines was up there with Comcast for me as the most hated brands I had to deal with. Yeah. And Delta is a brand that I am a champion of. Like I love Delta. I will not fly anything but Delta. And they have created this, this experience in a pretty darn complex situation. When you think about everything that it takes to move people from A to, to B a hundred times a day, um, and life is at stake. It's, it's, you know, I don't want to try to compare it to brain surgery, but people are going up in steel tubes and coming back down and yeah. pretty infrequently does something bad happen. Um, 
And yet I, I feel like they've given me an amazing experience. So I feel like if Delta can figure it out, we should be able to figure out. Maybe that's yeah. not a fair comparison, but. Well, again, I don't mean to trivialize the differences because they are real. And I know that can be upsetting when, when I, or when somebody does seem like they're doing that, but let's just talk about safety. You know, how fundamental is safety? How obsessed are we in healthcare with safety? Well, very, but you know, if we work at Disney, we obsessed about safety like you wouldn't believe. So does Delta. Um, and those are consumer expectations that transcend healthcare or any of those industries. So again, many of these themes that we're trying to address, they're not unique to healthcare. We may have kind of convinced ourselves they were, but they're kind of not. And so um, that's just the reality. And you know, I know it's, it's a little hard because it can feel like that's a trade-off, like we're somehow losing our power to the consumer. Um, but actually, if you really think back to that, anticipate and meet people's needs idea, I don't think that's a trade-off. I mean, I think that's what healthcare is here to do, always has been. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's it. I feel like we could just talk forever and ever on this stuff. Um, but I think that's a great place to just draw to a close. Uh, this has been what I hoped it would be, which is a really refreshing take on something that, again, has been around as long as my daughter has. Um, but I love hearing from folks that are just immersed in it. So thank you so much for joining us, Kevin. This is fantastic. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Chase, and anybody who listened in. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Chase, thank you, sir, as always. Absolutely. Really enjoyed the conversation. If you would like us to cover something more on consumerism, uh, anything else, throw it in the chat right now. Uh, or you can email us at nonormal at thinkrevivehealth.com if you're not able to join us live. Uh, next week, we're joined by Kathy Wynn, who's VP of Strategic Marketing at LifePoint. Remember to visit thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19 for all of our content on COVID. You can also find a recording of today's show. Uh, by the end of today, we'll have that posted. Or you can always subscribe on iTunes. And as always, until next week, good luck out there in the no normal. <laughs>